You're listening to The Crunch with Cam Slater. Right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Yarp Nightmans and Joseph Blessing saw a need for an alternative umbrella party and decided to form the Democratic Alliance. They don't want to lead the party. They just want to provide the infrastructure that would allow freeing parties and other minor parties to have a vehicle to assist in making sure their votes count this election. They're here now to talk about what they've created. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank Good you, afternoon. Thank you. So we've got a, a million small parties that have been formed up, especially around the freedom movement. And now you guys have launched the Democratic Alliance. Can you tell us what that means and what it's all about? Okay, I'll I'll just launch in and, and give you a little bit of a background as to the vision that we stand for, the, the party. So our party vision is to have true democracy and freedom in New Zealand, where individual rights are valued, and we are governed by political representatives who listen and work with the people, businesses, food producers, and support families in a safe and caring society. Really, while freedom's NZ is also an umbrella party, uh, and and we are as well. It is evident that the remaining minor parties won't join them. And um, as a result, we um, have developed a second umbrella party option mm-hmm. with a different valued approach to help unite the parties and enhance and collain a, um, gain a collective voice in parliament. That is if they are um, able to work collectively together and come in under this umbrella working in diversity. Mm. And that's where we um, call that um, unity in diversity, where each party can maintain its own party individualism and, and their own party policies. I'll let Joseph talk a little bit more about how we've come about and the story around that. Well, I actually originally started the um, Yes Aotearoa Party, which is a, still an unregistered party. Um, mm-hmm. We've been um, campaigning for that party um, in last year particularly. And um, lots of times when we actually talk to people, we want to find out what's their, what their thinking is. It's like really genuinely listening to the people. And right. very often we came across that call for, you guys need to unite. You're not going to make it on your own. And we're just having the same drama again as last time. We don't have a proper opposition. And the more we heard that, of course, the more we took that on board and said, hey, we really need to do something about this. Because actually by then, when we started to uh, form the idea of the Democratic Alliance, by then the Freedoms and Z Party has been already alive and going for about half a year. Right. And they didn't get proper traction. And we looked into the psychology of that too and thought, well, actually, we can understand to some extent why that is happening. And we said, okay, let's do something additional to that. We didn't want to be really in competition because our dream would be have the big unity formation. Yeah? Mm. But uh, at least for now, we said, let's start a new umbrella with also a different um, set of values. That's not all different, but to some extent different. And yeah. we also were quite, um, uh, how can I say, inspired mm. by actually putting in a new set of values, which we call the new paradigm in politics. 
Right. So it started, and then we did the normal thing. As every party, when they want to get registered, they have to go through the motions of getting uh, members and doing all the forms properly, and da da da, and so on. And so we uh, labored away over the months, and finally we got registered. I um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago or so. Right. So the Democratic Alliance as an umbrella party is registered now. Yes, it is, and that. Your desire is to have that as a vehicle or a safe haven for some of the minor parties that are out there to coexist if they can't fit inside the existing umbrella party that's out there. Yeah, exactly. So basically, when when you look at the minor parties that uh, remain that are not part of the existing Freedoms NZ Umbrella Party, and they don't want to join that Umbrella Party because uh, for whatever rhyme or reason, they cannot work with uh, the Tamaki equation within there. So which is really the driving force why we set out to um, put this party together. After we spoke to each of those party leaders and they gave that as the reason, that's when we really um, put energy and, and motion in behind the creation of the Democratic Alliance. Now that we've got the Democratic Alliance and it's taken some time to get it registered, mm. we are now at this eight hour um, basically going to them and having conversations about the vehicle is ready, jump on board, and together we can collectively pull the voter percentages together and it will be a win-win because together you are stronger and together you can get over the 5% threshold. Mm. However, when we've met with the Democracy NZ, Leighton Baker, New Zeal, New Conservative, and we try to get um, NZ Loyal on, on board as well in those conversations, but that door has remained shut. Um, but at least the others pulled a pew up around the table and we've had conversations, but mm. those negotiations are knife edge. Yeah. One minute you're you're talking positively about the opportunities, and then the next thing, someone becomes fearful about having to give up their party image or ideologies. So mm. they think, and then all of a sudden they turn the other way. But we're reassuring them and saying. It is a no-brainer. You will be able to retain your own party ideologies and image, Mm. but collectively you can pull your um, voter base together to ensure that for your voters, and we need to keep on putting the attention back on the voter base, they are looking for different voices and a makeup of these parties in Parliament, the only reason why we need to think of this is because of the 5% threshold mm. equation in MMP. Otherwise, if they don't unite, people might as well forget about voting for them because they're too fragmented and they're throwing their vote away. And you well know that, Kim. I absolutely know that. And, you know, I'm getting a lot of pushback from listeners when I say that if you vote for one of these minor parties, that isn't going to make the 5% threshold. You're not only throwing your vote away, you're effectively, because of the way that the calculations work and the effect of, like, let's say there's a, a, a party, let's call it a freedom party, and it gets 3% in the election. Yes. That equates to four seats. 
That's four seats that now get taken away from the freedom vote and reallocated to what I call the winning parties. And mm. they may or may not be freedom aligned. In fact, there's a very high chance that none of them are. And so your freedom vote effectively gets placed with a non-freedom party as a result of the seat reallocation, which happens when you don't meet the threshold. And this is the the two questions that I always ask uh, new parties or leaders. Uh, what are your plans to win an electorate seat? And what are your plans to win 250,000 votes? Because if they can't answer the, both of those questions in a cogent way, they're not going to do it. Mm. That's and, one one hundred and fifty thousand, I think, to get over. Oh, well, yeah, one hundred and fifty. Yeah, one hundred and fifty thousand. But the point remains: one hundred and fifty thousand votes is huge. It's it a is. huge number. And you know, I I put this to Brian Tamaki himself. I said, "How are you going to get one hundred and fifty thousand votes? Oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that." And there was no specifics around it. And I said, "Well, you've got around a hundred thousand members of your church, but they don't all mm. vote. They don't all vote for you." or the parties that are associated with you, it's much less. It's like about 10% of them do. And this is a difficult thing. And, you know, uh, what you guys are trying to do is to put together this umbrella. But, of course, you're dealing with people with massive egos. (laughs) Politicians, by their very nature, have massive egos. How do you envisage getting around those egos? Because in order to have a list, Someone has to be first, mm. and someone has to be second, and someone has to be third. Have you devised a strategy to get around that little issue? Because that's a that's a showstopper for some of these parties, which are mm. you know, usually named after the the person who's founded the party, or you know they're the only person that's got a, a, a public presence. So, how are you going to get around this list issue? Well, Ken, it's an interesting one that you're raising and we've been well aware of most of what you're saying. The core issue is, like you say, getting actually one party to be really a um, the courageous one who is the lead, leading the pack to actually say, hey, we need to do this and I'm going to be in. I jump in right now. Yeah. Mm. But at the moment, um, we do have one who is tentative and the second one who is even more tentative, but yeah. they're all in the in the place of, uh, it's too light. It's too light. It's too light. Uh, saying that, we actually got a, what I call a recipe for success mm-hmm. to do this last minute. And uh, it's quite likely, it's very well outlined. It's very simple, actually. And um, it's doable. But uh, interesting enough, we we, um, we sent that out just two days ago to those various minority parties that we want to uh, see joining in the first instance as in we have got the like the the preferred ones to join which are the more major minor parties and then yep. the second, second uh level of that doesn't mean they are less important but it's important to have more the the stronger parties first right yeah uh, but so far none of them have been genuinely open to understand how that recipe for success actually what it looks like none of them so well, you can a- see that there is there is a a real in, inhibitor in there, whatever the psychology uh, means and says here. But that's what we are facing at the moment. Yeah, it's a, there's a 
Look, in politics, you're dealing with people who have a severe narcissistic personality disorder, you know, <laughs> and, and it's their way or the highway. And the smaller the party, the more, uh, the stronger that it is. Mm. Um, now, you said you've approached NZ Loyal. Mm. Yes. Well, we've approached NZ Loyal and Liz Gunn multiple times to come on the show. And uh, we constantly get rebuffed, and but their loyalists, their their members, are constantly emailing the show and the other hosts as well on Reality Check Radio and saying, you've got to get Liz Gunn on, you've got to get Liz Gunn on. And it's proving almost impossible to mm. get Liz Gunn to front for anything. Uh, and, you know, it's a natural audience for her, but there's this rumor that we've got this conspiracy to block her coming on, but we've found that the block is actually from Liz Gunn herself. Are you finding the same thing? Yeah, we're finding finding that door is very much um, closed. Um, Every time we go and knock on it, um, there's not an ability or an openness to actually enter into dialogue, be it either one-on-one. It might be the odd little chat conversation. Yeah. but no longer telephone exchange. And we definitely, when we got the other party leaders of those other parties I mentioned previously together in, on, on a uh, Zoom call to collectively explore what the, the opportunities are here of working in unity. Uh, and it was like, uh, basically the invitation was come and join us. There's no uh, obligation to actually unite, but let's have a conversation at least. But um, the belief is is that um, what Liz has come back with is she said two things, really. Um, one was I'm not in, in interested in recreating the single source of truth, which I thought was a bit of a low blow um, given mm-hmm. the, the circumstances. Secondly, basically the feedback was there are 2 million votes sitting on the sideline and 2 million voters that um, never bothered to vote. And she was, she's, she's of the belief that NZ Loyal is going to re-engage those 2 million voters that are sitting on the sideline. Whereas um, basically across the freedom community, mm. we've got a relatively small pool of voters and we're all vying, 11 parties now, mind you, including mm. ourselves, we we haven't wanted to add to that split. Yeah. And we're trying to do whatever we can to actually reduce the amount of parties mm. within that mi- minor Freedom Party uh, space. But like- if you've got 11 parties going for that relatively small uh, voter base, you know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, 11 parties with 10,000 votes. Mm. Ken, I would like well, to say something about... Um, what your question before about uh, the rebuffing from Liz. Mm. I've actually been in touch with Liz in the last week, uh, this text um, a number of times and uh, trying to um, invite her to actually come on board to talk properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so none of the uh, offers so far have been eventual, but uh, what I've always got back is a, like a, like you say, a rebuff. And the rebuff was more on a psychological level, like, more to my person, my personality that I'm not trustworthy, um, that I'm not a Kiwi. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I mean, 
I actually really appreciate Liz personally because I got to know her in person, right? Yes. And I, there's some love there for her, absolutely, yeah. And I appreciate what she's trying to do. But yep. that is un- really unfortunate that she actually doesn't really be in service to the people, which she actually says she is. But she is not because she's not open enough to actually talk to all of us to find the best possible solution to make this work. Well, that's exactly what I've been saying for the last few weeks on this show is that we need to stop the polarization that exists mm. within New Zealand politics, that we need exactly. to have courageous conversations, even if they're a little bit uncomfortable. You know, it's why I maintain relations with other commentators and other people who do what I do across the political spectrum, you know, guys like Matt McCartan and Chris Trotter, you know, from the left, and then people in the ACT Party from the right, and everyone in between, including the Green Party as well. So, Joseph, you would have felt that was highly personal, that that comment about not being a Kiwi, considering how long you've been involved in New Zealand politics on the Green side of politics. Now, you know, we've probably got more in common than you would imagine, Um, Mm. uh, but there's just a few parts of the Green Party that today that I don't agree with and presumably you don't either because you've decided to go down this path, which is, with all due respect, a bit of motherhood and apple pie and and some a great deal of hope. Mm. But at least you're trying, you know, and that's all we can ask of people is that they try and maintain these conversations and these courageous, this courageous discourse across the political divide. And what I'm seeing with the freedom movement is the it's almost hostile in some pockets of it to any Mm. idea that you're not pure enough or you're not clean enough or you're not this enough. You know, they've always got an excuse to not talk. They'll end end up not talking to anyone. There's too much (laughs) infighting and and, and I guess we are in political um, campaign mode, mind you, where – the gloves are off and the, the the parties, as I said before, are all vying for the same amount of small uh, uh, voter base. Mm. But that's no excuse. Um, I mean, if dreams were free, I I, I just think that, uh, you know, the, the ultimate equation, and, and if Winston was to, um, to want to, you know, really transform our nation for the better, Mm. Um, and, and take a lead as, as he's near the end of his career. And really he could, um, step into the mix and corral the, um, the flock together and get the, the democracy NZs and the NZ loyals and the Leighton Bakers, et cetera, together under one umbrella. Right. And, mm. um, we could then really transform the future of our country once and for all. And I don't think we would just get over the 5% threshold like that. We would blow this, um, you know, uh, percentage volume out out of the water, and we'd get a good number, like maybe even twenty odd uh, seats in, in Parliament collectively together. Mm. And I think we would all be richly rewarded because the voters that all these parties stand for mm. would would actually reward this collective unity um, royally, basically. So. But even without Winnie, I think the others could do it, but they need to um, work together in, in unity. I mean, when you look at the different parties and their policies, yeah, they have got so much more in common than that they have in, yeah, in, in difference. Exactly. You, you know, the outcome, the outcome is the same. 
they mm. they want the same things. I mean, you know, I had this discussion with Matt McCartan on the show a few weeks ago. We both want the same thing. We want a vibrant New Zealand economy with people employed and meaningful jobs. We want, you know, low uh, interest rates and all of these. Sort. We all want the same thing. It's just a different pathway for each of us to get to there. And mm. what we have to identify, and you can only do this by talking with people, is identify the things that we have in common and don't worry about the things that we don't have in common because the common good is 80% of, of everything. But the, the, the problem with, with minor parties, and I've seen this over the years, you know, there's, I call them purists. They want everything to be 100% the way they want it, and they're not prepared to compromise. But politics is the art of compromise. It mm. has to be the art of compromise. That's why Certainly. we've got MMP. We brought in MMP because we wanted politicians to compromise and stop dictating to us. We were sick yep. of the Muldoons and the Roger Douglases of the world dictating it to us. We were sick of Jim Bolger dictating to us. We voted in MMP so that parties would work together, mm. and now we've got an opportunity for parties to work together, and they won't. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing that and I've been trying to, to say to people on this show. We're asking people to unite. We're asking mm. people mm. to join together, and they're the ones that are refusing and ignoring the people, and aren't they just being like the politicians we want to get rid of? Yeah, well, you do need to ask the question. If they can't work together and they are so hard-nosed about it and their doors are closed that they won't even come together and have the conversation, are they the politicians that we do want to be our leaders? Mm -hmm. And I think I know the answer to that. Um, I think you've really hit the nail on the head there, Cam, in, in, in relation to saying there needs to be compromise, there needs to be the art of coming together having the dialogue, building relationships, uh, building bridges where you need to and um, working together and and um, for the greater good of the voter, for the greater good of our nation. And, and if they don't get that before the election, well, they better darn well get it pretty, pretty soon after the election because to be even a politician, it's the fine art of... of um, relationship management mm. and and striking deals yep uh, and if you can't do that um, between the, your common flock how are you going to be able to do that with the with with the others of of wider thinking scope within mm. within parliament yeah you know, exactly. we told the, the time when we were at camp freedom at the protest in Wellington mm. I was there for 22 days yeah from from day one. And it was so heartening that we all talked to each other, yeah. regardless of our race, our history. We just were there for our common good and making a difference here to the mandates and to uh, to organize some kind of uh, inquiry into the vaccine issue and so on. We wanted to have a freedom where we can actually look after our own well-being and not being dictated and so on and so on. Yeah. And it was so refreshing. There was so much love there, so much heart. We were looked after by, by through meals and we, we pitched together our different services and we mm. it all happened. And there was no leader there that was obvious. Yeah. People took initiative where we uh, felt like it was necessary and responsible. Mm. Now, where has that gone, that energy? Yeah, mm. now we would be in a place where we could actually really 
replicate a lot of that in in the new movement of a unity movement yeah i mean i wasn't there as long as as you were but we could have been standing shoulder to shoulder there we not known each other at that time you so, know I'm, i i met people that politically have been opposed to me in the past or opposed to the parties i supported in the past but what that protest showed me is that the old parties labor and national especially no longer care for mm. everyone in this in this country and there was a whole bunch of people there saying we want you to listen to us please and they said no and now we've got you know guys like yourself that are, have formed an umbrella party and it's putting egos aside and it's saying let's all band together and the very people who stood there on the forecourt of parliament and said we want you to listen are now not listening themselves and it it disappoints me that that energy that you talked about joseph has been lost and dissipated mm. because egos have taken over and egos are the problem that has brought us down this pathway to where we are today Sadly, and, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, who would have ever thought that me, you know, who's described as a hard right conservative, would be happily discussing hugs and, you know, <laughs> t- t- parties that talk about hugs and working together and, you know, with a green, former Green Party members or, you know, who would ever have thought we'd be fellow travellers? But we are because that's the circumstances we we've found ourselves in. And mm. and it's not right and left anymore. That that paradigm is gone. It's not right and left. It's freedom versus control. Mm. But the freedom parties want control. So it's kind, <laughs> of, you know, it's kind of like forming a new circle. Mm. <laughs> uh, and this is where under the Democratic Alliance, if they were to come in under the umbrella, if there's any fears and any trust issues, Mm. collectively that would be alleviated because collectively one party would keep the other party more honest. It is sad that um, they have lost contact with the voters mm. because their voting base is, is the, their cries for unity has only got stronger. The amount of uh, individuals that are coming to, to us um, and, and, and those within our Democratic Alliance Party group and through social media that are saying, why don't you unite? When are the other parties going to jump on board? Has only got stronger that voice. Mm. And we do still have time. We've got time right up until Rip Day, which is the 14th of September, and we will do whatever we can at, at our end to rally the troops. But it, uh, currently it's like herding cats, and uh, they're not wanting to basically unite. But if only they the party leads and their party boards were to understand that actually, A, it's best for their their voter base, for the people, Mm. and B, it's the only way that they will end up getting a voice in in the House and actually start to have an influence in this government. And making their vote count. Correct. And and that votes don't end up, yeah, being wasted, as you say before, and and going to the Nats or or, or Labour. And that that's the very real risk. And you know, and you've got people out there that say what that what exactly what I've been saying and what Sandra Gowdy was been saying is wrong, but they're being very particular about why they're saying that we're wrong. They're saying that, you know, the votes don't change. Well, no, the votes don't change, but the effect does. Mm. Right. And as I said, if if 
if Freedom Party A gets 3%, that's effectively four seats. The Electoral Commission comes along and goes, well, you didn't uh, make make the 5% threshold. Those four seats now get reallocated to the winning parties, none of which represent freedom. And the system is rigged in that way. And, of course, all the other major parties don't want the uh, voters, the minor party voters, to to know that Mm. because it does result in additional seats for them. So... um, but yeah, like I said, if if we can corral them together in, into one unity by the 14th of September, then we will march ahead. If they don't, and if we are left without the Democratic Alliance Party, without substance to it, without the actual component parties, we will have to question whether we carry on going into this election because we do not want to add to the continual split of the vote, mm. that's that's not going to be beneficial for the voters themselves. No. So how can uh how can people find out more information about the Democratic Alliance? On our website. Yep. And the the URL is democraticalliance.nz. That's right. Yes, correct. Yeah. The other uh, thing is we've got a telegram channel. Oh, yes. The Democratic Alliance, because we are uh, running on the smell of an oily rag, to say the least, and, mm. and we are a grassroots, bottom up approach. Um, if anybody that is interested that wants to get onto social media, uh, come and knock on our door. We would love to, you know, get information out further afield on either Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever the other prov- providers might be. The other thing that we have put out, and thankfully, and I would like to really acknowledge uh, Voice Media, MJ at Voice Media for that, is there is currently a call out to all these party leaders to corral together uh, in a in a forum, a collective forum, and to have a collective discussion about not only what each party stands for and that they can have a debate across all the party party leaders, but also um, to to talk a bit about why are we not uniting together? Well, yeah, it's, a, it's a panel discussion, yeah. Yeah, yes. you, you need a panel discussion, but uh, you That's know, the, you use the right terminology. It's like herding cats, and I'd go a step further in saying they're black cats in a dark room that you're trying to herd. I've got this image in the of a um, the leaders asking their for now their voters, their supporters to go into this valley because that's where the promise is to get become successful. Yeah. And the leader doesn't see that it's actually a cul-de-sac and you can't get out without actually returning. Yeah. And that's what it feels like that all these various minority leaders are actually also they should know, but they don't want to really face the truth that it's a hopeless case on their own to achieve anything. They still lead them into that cul-de-sac valley, the dead valley. It's really sad because there's a lot of people that have a lot of faith in the leaders mm. of those parties. And, you know, my experience in politics, and it might people might say it's deeply cynical, but it's based on reality. And, you know, that's why I have this show on Reality Check Radio is to deal with reality, not with what I call hopium. And yeah. there's, an, there's a great deal of hoping out there. It's very addictive. Uh, and then what's going to happen when the hopium wears off on October the 15th? 
is they're going to then have copium, which is equally addictive, trying to work out what happened. Mm. And what ha- what happened is you didn't work together. Correct. And well, we should already know from the 2020 election, they yeah. didn't work together. Three years later, look at the state of our nation now. If they were to have corralled together and at least provided some pushback in, in, in Parliament, we may not be as far down the, down the road as we are today. If they don't collectively understand now that they need to corral together, then where will we be in another three years' time? We don't have another three years' time. We can't wait till the 2026 election. We'll be, you know, under digital ID. We'll be under, you know, um, the, the, the hate speech law will have rolled out upon our nation and you won't be able to say much anymore, which is credible in advance to the election without being shut down for it. I mean, there's a reason why Joseph and I have made ourselves to be the party secretariats for the Democratic Alliance and that we haven't actually become party leaders ourselves because we don't want to create yet another stumbling block for them to have another excuse of not coming into the fold and joining, joining together. So what you're doing then is providing an infrastructure and a framework for others to lead their supporters towards the promised land, which is getting into parliament so that you can actually have a material difference because you can't have any difference sitting on the outside of parliament. You can't make any difference at all. Exactly. You've got to have a voice in there and it needs to be a, a substantial size. Otherwise you run the risk, you know, of, emulating Winston Peters over the years where he just gets 5% and Mm. can't deliver on the promises. And then everyone criticizes him because he can't deliver on the promises. They say he never delivers. Well, the voters didn't deliver him the votes to allow him to do that, but it's a circular argument. You go round and round in circles and nobody's any further ahead. Yeah, exactly. Well, I admire that you guys are trying your best to get these groups together and hopefully the listeners of this show will then start exerting a little bit of pressure on those leaders to say, hey, talking never hurt anybody. Mm. And, and just talk and you might find there's a there's a level of agreement that's acceptable. You know, is it 80% or 70% or 90%? Let's say it's 80% of agreement. Well, the other 20% can be ironed out simply by talking a bit more. Correct. And we encourage your listeners to to go to those party leaders and to – to knock on their door and to call them out for uh, remaining isolated from one another and and to, to really encourage them to take a risk. I mean, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over again without a different result. Here we We're have, expecting a different result. Yeah. Here <laughs> we have a an opportunity to do something different. Yeah, the vehicle yeah. is ready and waiting. All we need now need is for the parties to jump on board, and to do something different collectively together, and to get collectively over the five percent threshold together for the people, not for themselves, for all those that stood united at Camp Freedom. Yeah, yeah, I think we owe it to them. We owe it to our people that we do this. Well, you guys are at least giving it a crack, and I admire you for that. Sadly, though, I don't think uh, many of these parties will see that pathway and they will learn a very bitter lesson uh, mm. come come the election. And then hopefully then from the wreckage that occurs, 
something will rise out of that. And I think that is my overriding impression of where this election is heading right now. And it mm. might seem negative and it might seem harsh, but I've been involved in politics for most of my life and that's what I'm looking at right now. And yeah, anyone who tries to uh, fix that up, well, I'll all power to them. And for you guys, I, I wish you all the best that you do do that. And for the next few, few days, you can wallop these people around the ears and get them to actually listen. Well, we'll keep on going until, like I say, writ day. We're not giving up just yet. So good. The calls are still going on. Well, uh, yeah, and Joseph, all the best for the future. And hopefully you can get something to happen. And then maybe we can have another chat before the election if that works. I look forward to it. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, Cam. Thank you. I was genuinely impressed by their attitude. And I hope some minor parties can get on board what they've created. But this close to the election means that it is an uphill battle. Yarp and Joseph certainly mean well and deserve to be treated better than they have been by some of those minor parties. Don't forget to send comments on the interview to inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 2057. This is The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy right here on RCR.